Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Climbing the Ivy on the Fan Side of Network. This is your host, Alex Pat, alongside Adam McGinnis. A lot going on in the baseball world right now. We're just a little over a week away from opening day. Uh, we will be doing a preview show for the Cubs for the whole season, kind of the position next week and Wednesday, right before the season starts. So keep an eye out for that episode. But for this episode, we got extensions to talk about. We have a legend retiring and some Cubs minor notes that we'd like to talk about. So we'll get all into that. Uh, Adam, how you doing? Doing just dandy. Thanks for asking. Well, that's always good to hear. So I think the biggest news of today particularly is not Cubs related. It is the retirement of Ichiro Suzuki. And I think it is very fitting that he retired with the Mariners with his old teammate Ken Griffey Jr. in the dugout watching if you saw he gave him a hug in his home country. Really quite amazing. Yeah, it's a it's a baseball legend for sure. Um, I, sometimes I, it's fun to wonder how many major league hits he would have racked up had he started his uh, career earlier in the United States. Because it be, I mean, some people I don't realize that he was 27 years old before yep. he actually came into the major leagues, uh, and and he's he's obviously he's a member of the 3,000 hit club now. Um, but yeah, that's. My my unpopular opinion is that he is a little bit overrated, I think, by the media and by the public, uh, and uh, which isn't to say that I don't like him because I, I love Ichiro. I really like him as a player, but I just think you, know, you need more than just longevity, and his career is kind of defined mostly by singles, not really an extra base hit guy at all. And and not a not a stellar walk percentage. It isn't bad by any means. It's it's good. But it, I, I, I I'm actually kind of iffy on whether I would put him in the Hall of Fame or not. Oh, I think he's got to be in there. I mean, he has over three thousand hits. You look at, I mean, look at it this way. He may, he may not hit a bunch of home runs or uh, you know like a a lot of doubles or anything. But you also mm-hmm. have to remember that. You know, this guy could put the ball in play as good as anybody. He did not strike out. He could put the ball in play against any pitcher. And you look at the hit numbers he's had. I mean, just over 3,000 starting at age 27. The guy has won many gold gloves, 10-time gold glove winner, 10-time all-star, three-time silver slugger. He was the MVP way back in his rookie year when he was also rookie of the year in 2001. I think his highest hit total, I believe, was 2004. Yeah, 262 hits. That's a 372 batting average. Mm-hmm. And I don't think he was going up there to walk. He was getting there to put the ball in play. That's just the type of player he was. Oh, yeah. I mean, there, there's no... I'm wrong on this one. Or at least I don't think I am, but but I'll, I'll be proven wrong. Ichiro is a first ballot Hall of Famer, for sure. Yes. Um, he's he's got to be the only member of the 3,000 hit club, though, where like 80% of those hits are singles. I, I mean, I don't have those numbers in front of me, but, you know, I would imagine that's I would probably guess. accurate. I and would the, guess, other, yeah. the other interesting thing about Ichiro is all of his all-star appearances were in a Seattle uniform. Because remember, he spent two years, two and a half years really with uh, the Yankees, and then he went to Miami. And by the time... He left the Mariners. He was already in his late 30s, going to his 40s. 
and he wasn't an everyday guy anymore just because he was older. But, you know, he still gave it his all. And, you know, I remember when he was with the Miami Marlins and he was taking at bats with the Marlins coming off the bench. And I mean, you could tell he was much older and just mm-hmm. couldn't do what he used to do, but he could still make the crowd stand he, and cheer. He had a halfway decent season in 2016 with the Marlins. He he was not bad. No, he wasn't. He was actually quite viable player. I mean, he's obviously wasn't a slugger, but in 365 plate appearances, he still hit 291 and and walked 35% of the time. I mean, that's at 42 years old, that's pretty impressive. Oh, absolutely. And he's he's the type of guy that will just do his thing no matter what. He won't try to make adjustments for, you know, his age or whatever. Even when he was coming off the bench, he was still just trying to is slap the ball in the play and put into play and run it out. I mean, that's that's just the player he was, and he did it as well mm-hmm. as anybody, that type of player. And, you know, he's an icon in Japan, and you got to think about all those Japanese players that come up. I, I'm sure mm-hmm. Darvish fits in this uh, category as well, that they looked up to Ichiro when they came up. I mean, it's oh, crazy absolutely. how— I mean, Japan is—baseball is huge in Japan. Yeah, it's massive. Look at the I mean, Tokyo it's... Dome. Yeah, it's it's baseball. It's got to be their biggest sport, I I think. Oh, I would imagine so. I mean, but, that that those crowds get into it there. Yeah, and so Ichiro is like the goat as far as Japanese baseball players go. Uh, fun factoid I saw on Twitter this morning is that uh, I believe his first career game with the Mariners, they beat the A's five to four, and then today in his last career game with the Mariners, they beat the A's five to four interesting see how it all kind of comes around poetic and it's also cool for a mariner's perspective that they saw both him and ken griffey jr play their last games in mariners uniforms because Mm -hmm. now i know it may be a little different for cubs fans because we saw ken griffey jr all those years on the reds but i still picture ken griffey jr in a seattle uniform first even though he was with cincinnati all those years yeah I don't know about you. Yeah, that's that's fair to say, I think. Yeah, so, and it was cool seeing them. Like I said earlier, they they hugged in the dugout. It was cool that uh, Griffey was there. Uh, So, yeah, hats off to Ichiro Suzuki for a remarkable historic career and uh, best wishes in the future. So we're going to move on to more baseball stuff, but this uh, this is pretty interesting because... We have a lot of extensions going on right now. The most notable being Mike Trout. He is going to be the highest paid professional athlete ever. And I don't think there is a more deserving name to get an extension like that than Mike Trout. Do you think it was deliberate that they gave him exactly $100 million more than Bryce Harper? Uh... I, I don't know. I haven't really thought about it. I just four four thirty seems like a weird number to come to. It is right right after the Harper signing. I almost think that was intentional. <laughs> I mean, maybe. I mean, as as good as Bryce Harper is, let's be real. Oh, Trout, Mike Trout's Trout, better. Oh, absolutely. There's there's no argument there. Mike Trout may well be the best player of all time. Well, yeah. I mean, you maybe, look at, at everything traje- he does. Yeah, that's the trajectory he's on anyway. Absolutely. And look, a lot of people are saying, oh, he's never won a playoff series. He's never won a playoff game, yada, yada. Yeah, that like, that's in his control. 
that's yeah that's it's baseball is different in that way from from especially from the nba one player can't carry you all the way it just doesn't work like that you have to have reliable pitching you have to have reliable guys around you it's one superstar can't put the entire team on his back uh having said that uh, the angels they're gonna have to do something more than yes. what they've done their their front office is really gonna have to kick it in gear yep. and surround him with some viable talent if they're going to go for it uh, and this to me sends the message that they are i mean you wouldn't lock up a guy like mike trout unless you were planning on on competing for championships in the near future uh, because i i mean my understanding is that the this whole 12 year contract is all it's guaranteed yep and and there's no opt out so he's there till he's like 40 which he's going to be a career angel yeah yeah and i don't who knows maybe he'll maybe he'll be a stud till the time he's 40 and that's that's i think he will be that's i really do far from a sure thing but I mean, when teams give out these kind of deals, though, they, they do it with the reality in mind that the last three, four years of these things may not go well. But that's just you know, that's the risk you're willing to take. I bet you're, you a you're, down year for Mike Trout late in his career is still a good year compared to most players. It's that could very well be the case. But I mean, that the reality is when you dish out contracts like these, you're paying for for their prime years. Of course. That's, you have to, because if you don't, another team will. That's just what it takes. Uh, but, I mean, yeah, I mean, the rotation they've got now, I don't think it's awful. I don't think it's god-awful, but I don't think it's anything special either. I still think the Angels, uh, as far as they are right now, I think they have a long ways to go before they're actually in the the conversation for the World Series. But this is I, – I like this move. Uh, and, and I like – I really like that Mike Trout did this, uh, that he didn't wait for free agency and then yep. bolt like the Dodgers or the Yankees. It's actually pretty refreshing to see. I, I think it's really cool. I think it, I think it adds a tremendous amount of value to a player's legacy when he stays in one place for most or all of his career. I think it's pretty cool, especially it cool. if it's, especially when it's small market. And I mean, I don't I'm not trying to say that LA is a small market, but comparatively, I mean, they're, they're kind of, little brother to the Dodgers and the Giants. In that here's, what's, here's what's interesting about the Angels. They got a lot of names on this team. They have Albert Pujols. He may be way past his prime, but that's still a big name. You have uh, Soy Otani, obviously. Uh, Justin Upton, who, again, may not be as good as he once was, but I still think is a pretty good player. Adrian Simmons, who is one of the best fielding shortstops mm-hmm. in baseball. Zach Cozart, Jonathan Lucroy, they just need to put together a true competitive team. It's they've had great names on their team, but they've had no depth. They haven't had much pitching and resulted in mid high seventies win teams. That's not going to get you far. You got to keep going, but they got plenty of time to build a winner there with Mike Trout. So hats off to them for getting this done. It kind of, it kind of surprises me that they haven't, attracted more big fish yet and I, I almost wonder if this extension will help in that cause if the, they'll have an easier time attracting big name free agents now that they know that Mike Trout is going to be there for the long haul because if you're yep. serious about winning who wouldn't want to go play with Mike Trout of course not of course not. I mean I think anyone would want Mike Trout on their team not only with the talent but just the personality I mean if I if I'm a top tier pitcher I I'm 
I would go into free agency thinking, hey, I'm the missing piece for the Angels. You know, they've got Mike Trout. It's it's a halfway decent lineup. Uh, I mean, they're, I don't think they're... I, I think this is going to do a lot for them. Really, I do. Because... At, I, I'm not sure who's going to be in the next uh, in the 2020 free agent class. Like, who well, it's the big... getting smaller and smaller with all these extensions. Yeah, that's it's kind of what it's what it's coming to. Everybody's just getting extended. Nobody's going into free agency. <laughs> Nobody exactly. wants to wait. Nobody wants to wait a week until spring training before they find their team. And that's why I think this is happening. So I think that uh, I think players are actually smart securing them a job for the long run. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm curious to to hear what you think about the Eloy Jimenez deal. I wanted to get to the Eloy Jimenez. It's deal. really unique. It is because it's a six year extension, two club options at the end, and what's he making? Forty some. Yeah, I, I've been wanting to write about this uh, for a while. I should I should get around to that. But it's less almost... than a hundred million. Right. See, and this this is what I almost wonder if this deal will change the way big prospects break into the league, because, I mean, this is this is pretty groundbreaking. This is this is a big deal. I mean, we've never really seen anything like this because it's not a huge gamble for the White Sox. And because, I mean, if Eloy doesn't work out, then they're not burning all that much money. No, they're not. And the flip side of that for Eloy is is if he busts, if he completely busts, he's still going to make a lot of money. So, I mean, it's it's kind of a 50-50 thing here. It's it's the White Sox betting on Eloy uh, and Eloy not necessarily betting on himself. Yeah, it is very unique. And if you look at the conditions of the deal, 43 million guaranteed over six seasons, over six seasons. And then the pair of option years are a cumulative 32 million, also a 2.5 million MVP bonus. But think about it. Eloy Jimenez, to me, is going to be a star. And I think if even if he's not a star, even if he is like a quote unquote glorified Jorge Soler, that's still something that's good, right? That's yeah. still a guy that's going to hit you a lot of home runs. And and I'm inclined to agree with you anyway. I don't I don't see Jorge Soler trajectory for Eloy Jimenez. I, no, I see much I'm, better. Yeah, I'm pretty much in agreement with you here that I think Eloy is going to be a big deal. Uh, and if that ends up being the case, then the White Sox have got him for an absolute bargain price. Exactly. And, you know, one of the reasons I kind of want to talk about it is, let's remember, he was once ours— he was once one of our top prospects, and mm-hmm. we traded him and Dylan Cease away from Jose, uh, for Jose Quintana. Mm-hmm. Now, look. I still maintain that that was the right thing to do. If Eli- even if Eloy Jimenez goes down as one of the greatest players of all time, I, I will still stand by saying that that was the right move at the time. That's, I mean, this if Eloy ends up being a stud, that's just hindsight twenty twenty. Right, and that's kind of what did I what I wanted to bring up was. I mean, how do we feel about this? Uh, look, it feels so different. Quint- it still sucks. I mean, it's st- don't get me wrong. It's still, uh, and and I'm rooting for Eloy. Trust me. It's, I don't want to give the impression that that I'm rooting against him just so I can feel like the Cubs came out on top in that trade. But yeah, it's gonna it'll sting a little bit if I watch him win some MVPs 
But I, it, that still won't change my mind about whether or not the Cubs did the right thing, trading him away. It's, it was the right move at the time. Right. And I mean, that's kind of where I'm at now. But I'll be honest, if I see him winning MVP after MVP, it is going to sting a little bit, even if it was the right move. And people say, oh, but you traded two top prospects for, you know, one pitcher. Well, you know, sometimes you got to you got to get get give up something to get something. And I really do hope that Jose Quintana can find that consistency this year. And Mm -hmm. I will say this, if the Cubs do win a World Series with Jose Quintana, then it's going to hurt a lot less because I'll tell you what, ever since we won with uh, with trading Glaber Torres, I don't think twice about Glaber Torres right now, even though sure he would probably look good on this team. Now, I don't think twice about him. It doesn't even sting that much. And I'm not into the whole, oh, crosstown rivalry, yada, yada. The only thing about Eloy is you would be exposed to him if you live in Chicago like I do. And you're a Cubs fan. Mm-hmm. You see what Eloy's doing 24-7 because you're in the same market. You know, Glaber Torres is in New York. If you still follow baseball, you'll still see what he does on a daily basis. But you're exposed to it even more when you're in the same market. So yeah. that's where that comes in. But I mean, it's any any little win for the White Sox. It, it doesn't bother me because no matter no matter how good the White Sox are, no matter how much they do, they're always going to be little brother to the Chicago Cubs. That's just the way it is. It's the way it always will be. The White Sox could win the World Series for the next 10 straight years, and the Cubs are still going to dominate the Chicago market as the favorite team. Uh, so they'll always have that going for them no matter what. And, you know, if the White Sox get good again with Eloy Jimenez, you know, good for the city of you know the city of Chicago. If you have two good baseball teams, I think that's mm-hmm. when the sport is at its high. It, when the sport is at its highest peak in like one of the biggest markets, that's only good for the sport. I would I would absolutely love a Sox Cubs World Series. That would be awesome. I don't know if I go that far. Living <laughs> in Chicago, that would be hell. Yeah, I, I wouldn't envy you there. I mean, because I, I probably would not go to that. One yes. for the money and two for just the, the, the crazy traffic. Yeah, more than crazy traffic, crazy people. But, you know, yeah. maybe it'll happen again someday. You never know. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, good for Eloy Jimenez. And I'll be honest with you. Even if Eloy is really, really good, and I think he's going to be really, really good, there are times when I think about that Quintana trade, and I think, I kind of wish we had Dylan Cease because if you look at what he's doing and you look at the lack of pitching development the Cubs have had, having a stud prospect like Dylan Cease, a pitcher in your farm system, that'd be pretty nice right about now. I feel like Eloy has the higher ceiling and will be the the ultimate bigger contributor, so to speak. But I think in terms of necessity, Dylan Cease would really help. Well, given circumstances now, yeah, but uh, I I don't know. I, I think guys like Dylan Cease are, are more easily replaceable than uh, guys like Eloy Jimenez. Which is fair. Which is fair. Now, here's the other thing. Let's say Jose Quintana doesn't win a World Series here, but he still puts up good numbers. I think... Most Cubs fans and the Cubs front office knew that the Sox were probably going to quote-unquote win this trade in the long run. Wouldn't you say that's fair? 
Oh yeah, I mean that's that's what all these prospects for major league talent trades are. They're exactly. they're all designed for the the prospect receiving team to win in the long run. I mean that's the trade off you make. Trade a bit of your future right. uh, away for a better chance to win now. And that's what they did when they traded Glaber, and it paid off. So the Glaber's success is never going to bother me. It probably wouldn't have bothered me anyway, because I don't want to root against anybody. Um, but, I mean, that's that's what I say to people when they when they look at Glaber and say, oh, God, that he could be on the Cubs right now. Epstein really blew that. I said, well, what? why, why do you want a player like Glaber? It's to make your team better to win the World Series, right? Well, they did that. They already did that. So, I mean, mission accomplished already. Um, I guess the only argument you could make there is that maybe they have a better chance to win more if they still have Glaber. But I, I, I maintain now still that that was the right move too. And there's no guarantee you're going to win the World Series in 2016 with Glaber. Glaber wouldn't have even been a factor. Right. Right. And, and is and, is missing Glaber Torres really the reason that we haven't won more World Series? I don't think so. No. 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 So, exactly. Not. One last thing about that whole uh Eloy Jimenez Quintana thing is, is some people have asked me. They said if they were going to do this, then why not have done this in the offseason prior and gotten Chris Sale instead? Well, they didn't really need a starter going to the in, into the no. offseason, going into that 2017 season. The Cubs needed a starter in the middle of the 2017 season. That's right. why. Well, I mean, look what it cost to, to get Chris Sale. I mean, could the Cubs have afforded to get Chris Sale anyway? Did they really have the prospect depth to pull that off? I'm not so sure. It would have taken Eloy Cease and then maybe, I don't know, an Isaac Paredes maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, if you're under or the another delusion, arm. If you're under the delusion that the Cubs could have given the, the same exact package and gotten uh, Chris Sale, I mean, then you're just crazy. I mean, that, there's that's not going to happen. I mean, even then, even before Jose Quintana struggled for the Cubs, we all knew that Quintana and Sale were worlds apart and they're in different ballparks. Right. I mean, Quintana was always a very good pitcher for the White Sox. Chris right. Sale is one of the best arms in baseball. Quintana was never perceived as being an ace pitcher. Chris he was Sale, always a two or a three. Right. Chris Sale, on the other hand, is like the ace, the coveted right. ace. Or at least he was at the time. Still is with the Red he's, Sox. He's still, yeah, he's still a top five starting pitcher in baseball, I would think. And I don't think the Red Sox regret that trade one bit. Nor should they. No, no, not at all. Uh, other extensions I want to talk about moving on. A big one today. We're going to have to deal with Paul Goldschmidt for a while. Five-year yeah. extension for him. That one is a little, uh, that one's a little more serious. Yeah, my uh, my expert analysis on that is uh, it sucks because yes. I mean, what's good for the Cardinals is bad for the Cubs, right? Um, Paul Goldschmidt, he he's thirty one years old, so I mean, it's it's not like, but I I do think that I do think he can still be a, an elite hitter or at least near elite uh, for the next few years at least. So I think this is a good deal for the Cardinals. Uh, the flip side of that, though, is they are committing a lot of money to him. And I do believe that the Cardinals are closer to the reality of a rebuild than the Cubs are right now. 
So there is that to consider. Yeah, you know, you bring up the age of Paul Goldschmidt, and here's the thing. It's not like he's old, but he's not like 26 in his prime, like if they would have gotten Bryce Harper or Manny Machado. But he's still going to do a lot of damage over the next few years, and I don't think this deal is going to be in any way bad for the Cardinals. I just think if there was one tiny little uh, way to make Cubs fans feel better about this is that he's not super young in his absolute prime, even though he's going right. to continue to mash and he's continued going to continue to be one of the best in all of baseball. Yeah. So, I mean, if we look, you know, five years from now, let's say four years from now, uh, if the Cardinals, their, their competitive window has closed, they're not a good team. Uh, Paul Goldschmidt's 35 years old and he's not playing like Paul Goldschmidt anymore. Uh, then they're going to find it hard to unload that contract. It's going to be hard for the, if he's not performing. Yeah, like he does, I, you know, I'm it's not. It's going to be hard for them to trade him. So it uh, is. But 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 I do. I think this is the right move for them to make, though, because yeah, they, absolutely. They're they're in a position right now where they could absolutely. Uh, there there's three teams in the NL Central that could that could all realistically win it. I mean that's that's pretty much the reality, and so I think this is the smart correct move for them to make right now but i don't think it's without potential consequences down the road either yeah i mean it was a move i was praying they wouldn't make just because of how good he is it Here's seemed number- inevitable i i mean yeah, it, we, we were all pretty much just waiting for this to happen right i mean with it, all the this, other this seems it seemed perfect like i don't paul goldschmidt just doesn't strike me as a you know a yankees dodgers big city lifestyle kind of guy i don't know no i mean this seems like almost the too perfect and i think the cardinals had every bit of intending to talk extension with him before they even traded for him yeah i mean you know as much as much as it sucks for the cubs it in in some ways i'm kind of okay with it actually because paul goldschmidt is is an un unbelievably underrated baseball player yes it's criminal and and now we're going to get to see a lot more of them so that in that regard this is kind of cool that we're actually going to get to as cubs fans we're going to get to watch paul goldschmidt play a lot more baseball because let's be honest i mean those of us cubs fans out there i I don't think a lot of us are tuning into all the diamondbacks games no Unless you're a Cubs fan in Arizona, but, you know, around the country. I I wouldn't even watch them if I was in Arizona because of those god-awful uniforms they wear. They look like arena football jerseys. (laughs) It's trash. Heck, they're they're away uniforms. They look like they're wearing frickin' Hugh Hefner pajamas. I don't know what... I don't know who came up with that garbage design, but it's it's awful. They really... They might be the worst in the league. I don't know. They're, yeah, they're terrible. some of those alternates are pretty bad. They they need to just bad. go back to the the ones the stuff they wore in the in the uh, the Randy days. That's what I'm saying. I loved the purple pinstripes. I yeah, loved those, those cool. uniforms. They were I, unique, but they weren't ugly. Go back, go back to the Randy Johnson days. Whatever they were wearing uh, the day that he murdered a bird. Well, he was was he with the Diamondbacks? When that happened, or was, he, was he was he somewhere else? He might have been with the Diamondbacks. I'd have to go back and look. Yeah, I can't remember. 
Yeah, he he does not like talking about that incident. Have you ever have you ever seen an interviewer ask I him haven't. about it? I'll have oh, to look he, at that. he does he does not find it funny at all. Like not really? even really. Yeah, he's he's really dead serious about it. Like a I a life was lost that day. I don't find it funny. It's not a joke. Like he he does not laugh about that incident. Really? He yeah. doesn't seem like a guy who would laugh at many things, but yeah, I, I did not know that. I'd have to look back at that. Yeah, if you ever find yourself interviewing Randy Johnson someday, don't make that mistake if you want to stay on his good side. Well, good to find that out now. I mean, you don't want to mess with a big unit. I actually I, yeah, that's, stood next Randy... to his lifestyle statue. He's like twice the size of that I am. Yeah, it's like even... W- when he's 80 years old, that's he's just the kind of guy I would not want to be on his bad side. No, no. He can intimidate anybody. Yeah. You remember when, uh, was it, oh, who was it? Was it Crook who was batting against him in the All-Star game? And, like, he put his helmet on backward and he just wanted no part of it. He just like, nope, I'm done. <laughs> Oh man, I could I could watch Randy Johnson highlights all day. I Me think. Too. What a legend. Um, so Paul Goldschmidt, I'm looking at his numbers against the Cubs lifetime. Here's his slash line: three fifty three, four seventy one, six ninety nine, with an OPS of one point one seven. Hmm. Fourteen home runs, thirty nine RBIs, seven stolen bases. 33 walks. But here's the other thing. He's got even better numbers against the Milwaukee Brewers. 366, 478, 652, 1.13. Uh, so the OPS is a little uh, smaller, but the on-base and the uh, average is a bit better. Yeah, I mean, it's a big problem for the Cubs, but it's going to be a big problem for everyone in that division. Yeah, it's... Uh, I mean, I, I got to give credit where credit's due. The Cardinals, they, they, I think they really pulled off a good one here. They because, did. I mean, you, you look at Paul Goldschmidt's career. It, it, it's, it's amazing how he's flown under the radar. Yeah. I mean, obviously, obviously big baseball fans all know who Paul Goldschmidt is. But I think just more casual sports fans in general, Paul Goldschmidt isn't necessarily a household name. But no, he should be. He should be, though. I mean, he's he's dominant. He'll become one more, I think, with the Cardinals because the Cardinals are a much they're, bigger franchise. Oh, yeah, they're they're eons more relevant than the Diamondbacks. Yeah, it's it's going to be good for him. But it's going to be rough on the Cubs. That's that's all I got to say now. Yeah. Will he keep up these numbers against the Cubs? And he's probably going to continue to crush them. But uh, I guess we'll see what happens when the sample size is bigger. Because you got to remember, we only saw Paul Goldschmidt what seven times a year. Yeah, not not very often. Pretty small sample size. He'll still probably kill us, though. But yeah, you know. it's safe. It's a safe bet to assume that he's going to be really, really good. I mean, who are we kidding? Yeah, absolutely. So that was kind of the big extension that affected the Cubs. There were a few other extensions like Alex Bregman, which is good for him. Mm -hmm. And then obviously we had the Nolan Arenado a while ago. And we've been through all the Chris Bryant stuff. It's pretty clear that an extension is not going to happen anytime soon. You you do have to remember, though, he has three years left. 
under control with the Cubs. So it's mm-hmm. not like he's becoming a free agent next year. So we'll see how it progresses. Yeah, I, we'll see. Uh, I, I would think that as time goes on, that it, the Cubs will feel more of a sense of urgency about it. I still kind of err towards the the side of... I, I still kind of think he's gone. I, it's just my... And I hate, I hate to say that because I desperately hope that that's not the case. I would love for Chris Bryant to have a long-term career with the Chicago Cubs, but... I still, part of me still feels like he is holding a grudge against them for the way uh, they held him in the minors for those extra two weeks. Um, I mean, from a business standpoint, it made sense that that if I could, if I could choose again, I'd probably do it all over again. I mean, they won a World Series for God's sakes, and he was a big part of it. But I, I don't know. Maybe maybe they'll maybe they'll shock us and and a big Brian extension will just come out of nowhere. I don't think that I don't think it's going to happen during the season. Uh, I I just think from from what he's said, I don't think he's going to think about that kind of stuff while the season's going on. Uh, so maybe off season twenty twenty is the time for them to really zero in on that. Yeah, exactly. I think obviously. The main reason that these uh, topics are coming up with him is because there are so many other extensions around baseball. I think if there weren't these extensions, you wouldn't be hearing about it nearly as much when it comes to Chris Bryant. There was a there was kind of a historically significant extension today with Blake Snell. Yeah, I saw that. I didn't really look at the details though. Fill me in on that. So it's five years, fifty million, um, and that is the the biggest contract given to a pitcher uh, before he, before his first arbitration eligible year. How about that? Yeah. It's a unique, unique historical footnote. And, and a lot of people, it's really shocking to me how many people on social media have, have blasted this as Blake Snell just getting absolutely snubbed. But I, I just, any way I look at it, I I just can't see it that way. I mean, he he won the Cy Young Award last year, the AL Cy Young, but winning one Cy Young doesn't it shouldn't guarantee you a two hundred million dollar contract. I mean, Blake, you got to remember Blake Snell has technically only two years of service time. He doesn't even have four hundred career innings in the right. league, and he's only twenty six years old. So uh, to the contrary, I would say that this is a really good deal for him. I mean, that's that's it's all guaranteed money too. All fifty million of it is guaranteed, and so he will be a free agent again uh, by the time he's thirty. And pitchers typically, the elite pitchers typically see those big mega deal contracts by the time they're thirty, right? That's usually when they get it. So to me, this is just this is a win win for Blake Snell. I think so he's too. Gonna get, he's going to get more guaranteed money uh, in his in his in his youth years than almost all of his counterparts. And then if he continues to be 2018 Blake Snell, he's going to get even more when he becomes a free agent again. So I, I just any way I look at it, I I see this as a a big win for Blake Snell and a great deal for the Rays too. Right on. I am totally with you on that. It, it's, it's almost like everything aligns perfectly for him. And I think that's probably why he agreed to it. Yeah, and, and it's, it's, almost, it's a little surprising to me, too, because, I mean, if you remember uh, just a couple weeks ago, two or three weeks ago, some, 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 sometime like that, 
uh, he, he was pretty upset with the Rays because they they only gave him initially a raise of fifteen thousand dollars, and that's uh, a little low. Yeah, and he he was pretty disturbed by that. Disturbed is the wrong word. Uh, just disappointed. Offended. Maybe. Yeah, because I mean, it's I mean, obviously the ra- they don't have to give him anything of a raise, but it's t- it's kind of just protocol that if if somebody wins a major award like that, uh, that you you give him a pay bump. Uh, so I think part of this is just the raise trying to do right by him, and in a way betting on his future because I mean, he, I, let's face it, he's not gonna he's not gonna have a 1.89 ERA again. I mean, it's it's probably not going to happen. That was an unreal end of the season that he had. That's going to be pretty hard to replicate. And it wasn't uh, talked it, about much because it was the Rays, and the Rays surprised right. a lot of people by having, what, 90 wins, 90 and 72? Oh, yeah, nobody. That, yeah, 90 wins, That's 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 damn near 30 wins more than I thought they would get. I thought they were going to be one of the worst teams in the league. With, yeah, everybody thought it was going to be the Marlins, and I was back there saying, you know what? I don't. Honestly, I think the Rays could end up being the worst team in the league. That's what so, I said. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ninety win Rays. That's that's. I, it's not quite the biggest shock in baseball last year. I still think it was the Oakland A's. Sure. Uh, uh, but I also think that both the A's and the Rays are both doomed to regress big time from last oh, I year. I agree. That Even... kind of see both of those seasons as anomalies. Yeah, even though the Rays have some good young players, I agree you're going to see some aggression there. I I'm definitely with you on that, especially yeah. Since you're getting you're seeing the Yankees are still going to be the Yankees. The Red Sox, while they will regress, they're still going to be a good team. I mean, it's it's hard to compete in the AL East, but hey, yeah, I mean at a, least they could beat up on the Orioles. Oh God, I I think that, uh, I think my. My my dad's softball team could beat up on the Orioles. Yeah, that's uh, that's uh, gonna be ugly. Them and the Marlins. That, that's a bad time. Yeah, there there might honestly be AAA teams that could beat the Orioles. <laughs> I don't even think that's a joke. <laughs> I wonder if the Orioles and the the Marlins play each other in interleague play this year. I don't know, because if so, that's got to be like an all time matchup of suck. Oh man, yeah. Though I was at a historical all-time matchup of suck once. It was a Cubs game. Go on. It was 2012, the last series of the year. The 100 lost Cubs played the 100 plus loss Astros. I went with Oof. some friends. It was our freshman year of college. Tickets were like 15 bucks. And yeah, it was hilariously terrible baseball. <laughs> Oh man! I have to look up the box score of that game, and I got to read you the lineups because ooh, Astros had ugly unis in 2012 too, didn't they? They have like the red and gold thing going on at that they time. May have. That was their last series as a National League team. Oh yeah, that's right. I uh, let's see. So it was the Astros won this game three nothing, and. Back-to-back 3 nothing losses for the Cubs in this last series. We were either at the Tuesday one or the Monday one. I got to look at... Let's see. Okay, so we were at the first one. Yeah, so... Okay, you ready for this? Yep. All right, so... The starting pitcher for the Cubs was Jason Birkin. 
Oh my god. <laughs> Leading off, David DeJesus. Batting second, Dave Sepelt. Batting third, Anthony Rizzo. Batting fourth, Alfonso Soriano. Batting fifth, Starling Castro. Batting sixth, Louis Valbuena. Batting seventh, Wellington Castillo. Batting eighth, Darwin Barney. And then the pitcher, Birkin. The following people got into the game for the Cubs. Pitcher, Jay Chapman. Pitcher, James Russell. Pitcher, Sean Camp. Pitcher, Carlos Marmel. The following people pinched hit. Brett Jackson, Brian LaHare, and Joe Mather. Jeez. Oh, my God. So that brings the, back some some not-so-fond memories. Yeah. Yeah. You remember the little hop skip that Alfonso Soriano would do in the outfield before catching fly balls? I sure do. He uh, was always in front of Drove us. me crazy. And remember sometimes he'd come up lame and he would hurt himself? Mm-hmm. I remember yeah, that quite or, well. Or drop the, the ball, literally and figuratively, yes. <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> yes. Oh, this Astros lineup is no better. It had Altuve at the top, followed by Scott Moore, Jed Lowry, Fernando Martinez, Justin Maxwell, Brett Wallace, Matt Dominguez, Jason Castro, Brandon Barnes, and Lucas Harrell. Yeah, that's a big oof. Yeah, not... Uh, not great, um, but yeah, that was uh, that was that ball game, and yeah, times have definitely changed. Uh, oof, boy, I guess I could kind of qualify as uh, today's former Cub. We could look at a number of these guys. Mm-hmm. Um, Who you got? It, it's your turn this week, isn't it? Yeah. So um, right. I guess while we're here, we might as well just pick one of these. Yeah. All right, let's go obscure here. Dave Sapelt. Do you remember Dave Sapelt? Mm, vaguely. Okay, so Dave Sapelt played 95 career big league games, and 57 of those were with the Chicago Cubs. He batted 257, 310, 361, with two home runs between 2012 and 2013. Uh. He threw a ball to me once when I was in the bleachers. I still have it. Wow, you're practically famous. I know. Uh, both those home runs he hit in his big league career came in 2012 on that Cubs team that lost 101 games. Uh, I don't have much else on Dave Sapelt, but he's wow. obscure. Might as well talk wow. about Wow, what an awful pick. I just gotta, I gotta throw shade at you for that one. What a terrible, awful pick! Nobody, nobody remembers Dave Sapelt. You want me to go more memorable then? <laughs> nobody, nobody wants to remember Dave Sapelt. I should say. Okay, I'll go more memorable. I'll go more memorable. He may right. not have been a great hitter, but Darwin Barney will always have a soft spot in my heart. He was a great fielder, and. The guy gave it his all on yeah, the field. Yeah, he was. He's he, Darwin Barney's not a bad player. I mean, he. I mean, he still plays too, doesn't he? he Actually, I don't think he played last year, but he not in the he, big leagues. He, he played at least as recently as 2017 with Toronto. He was yeah. at that series at Wrigley Field. Yeah. Let's see here. Uh, in 2016, he hit 269. In 2016, yeah. I mean that's. 
So, I mean, at least at least he didn't fizzle out at 26 like Dave Sappelt. Yeah, right. And, hey, he was the 2012 Gold Glove winner. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Dar- Darwin Barney's got some value. He can play different places. He's yeah, he's not a bad player. He's carved out a nice career. He never was really part of the future, but as a placeholder and someone to kind of begin the rebuild, he was a good presence. And good it, enough. Yeah. yeah, I mean, again, he he competed. He may not have been a great hitter, but he was very competitive. And in 2011, in 143 games, he hit 276, 313, 353, two home runs. Not spectacular by any means, but no. consider what kind of a ball player he was. You know, it's it's not terrible. No, not 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 terrible. I mean, there's Darwin Barney's career is nothing special, but at least it's a career. Yeah, I mean, he could have easily if he didn't have the glove or the work ethic, he could have easily fizzled out by like his first September call up. But his ability to field and at least occasionally come up with a hit. I mean, wasn't very often, but he did enough to stay in the big leagues. And if you remember, he was traded in July of 2014 for a player to be named later. It would eventually be a minor leaguer by the name of Jonathan Martinez. If you're wondering who that is, I don't know who that is. He was in the Cubs system until 2016, and that's where his baseball reference page ends. So, Boy, these obscure guys from the Cubs past that nobody remembers. At least, at least Darwin Barney immediately you know, came to mind. I remember Darwin Barney fairly well. Dave Sapelt, on the other hand, like, <laughs> what? Dave Sapelt? Well, you know, <laughs> did you see my article the other day? Guys you forgot who were Cubs? Five veterans you forgot were Cubs? No, I need to read that. So basically, the criteria for that was less obscure. It was more known names, but you forgot they played for the Cubs. Okay. Do you want to hear who those five are? Yeah, lay them on me. Okay, so the first one was Tony La Russa. He was a Cub for one day yeah. as a pinch hitter in 1973. He was a terrible ball player, but a great manager. Yeah. Did you know that? I did not. I did well, not. Yeah. I learned something He's, new today. He scored the game-winning run on opening day as a pinch runner. Interesting. It was his last appearance in a big league uh, uniform. That's uh, that, That'd be a good bit of baseball trivia. Yeah, it is. People don't remember that. Yeah. We also had Doug Davis, veteran lefty. Do you remember Doug Davis? Uh, I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. No. Well, uh, he was on the 2011 squad, and uh, he beat the Yankees. On the mat, he got shelled, and I think he only made nine starts before he was released. But, you know, he pitched in the big leagues for, I think, a, a little over a decade, mainly with the Brewers and the Arizona Diamondbacks. But for a little bit of time, he was a Cub. We also had Joey Gathright, who's probably the most obscure on that list. He was a Cub in 2009 for, like, not even 20 Joey games. Joey Gath? Who the hell is Joey Gathright? You don't remember Joey Gathright? The guy doing? could jump over cars. What are you doing? Bringing up all these names, these these people. I have no idea. Do I just know nothing about baseball? Like, who yeah. are these people? You, you at least don't remember Doug Davis? 
Eh, I mean, I'm looking at his baseball reference page now. He's not a very memorable player, but he did play no. for a while. 13 years. Uh, then uh, I had Scott Harrison. You got to remember Scott Harrison. Yeah, yeah. 2013, signed a deal, trade him away for nothing because he didn't do much. Yeah. But you, I mean, you at least got to know the Harrison family. Oh, yeah. Jerry Harrison, obviously. Memorable name. Yep. Uh, I think that was all of them. Let's see. Davis, Larusa, Gathright, Harrison. I'm missing one. Well, those are uh, the names I can remember, but yeah, there you go. Uh, today's random cub is kind of a slew of obscure slash forgotten guys. All right, yeah. So my my goal next week is to to make my my cub uh, somebody that listeners don't immediately have to Google to say, "Oh yeah, I remember that guy." Hey, I'm all about the obscurity. <laughs> It makes our listeners do research. I I can appreciate that, I suppose. Yeah, it makes it fun. Yeah. It's fun. But yeah, Yeah. definitely bring in a special name next week because we're all about that. that. So, you know, I'll admit we didn't talk much Cubs on this podcast. There's just not really much to go over. Uh, Yeah. I mean, we did. Training, they're playing, you know. This time next week, though. Yeah, uh, be ready for that show. Uh, so we'll consider this just the show of random baseball talk because there wasn't much Cubs talk this week to be had because there's no big news. But I guess I will quickly mention before we uh, sign off, it looks mm-hmm. like Brandon Morrow is on the right path. So that's, hey, that's good. Yeah, we've uh, we've been kind of desperate for some good news uh, coming from the Cubs, haven't we? So we'll take anything yeah. we can get. I mean that that's a big deal. Brandon Morrow on the right path. That's that's huge. I mean, we know he's not going to be ready for the opener, but if he gets back as soon as possible. Yeah, I mean because I think at this point a lot of people are starting to really lower their expectations for what Brandon Morrow can bring to the table this year just because it, we, it feels like everybody's just kind of accepted oh, well, you know, he he's just going to be the injured guy and if he can, it just feels like a ticking time bomb at this point when he's on the field, when he gets re-injured. But uh, and if he can stay healthy, that's that's a big deal. Exactly. By the way, my last Cub on that list was Tony Womack. Forgot about that. Tony Womack was the last guy in my Man. list. <laughs> Why do you torture yourself remembering these guys? Hey, Tony Womack was a solid player. It's a cool name, at least. He was good in MVP 05. If you use him in MVP 05, he would always hit a line drive single. Tony Womack sounds like he he should have been in, like, D-list action movies in the 70s. (laughs) He does kind of, doesn't he? Yeah. (laughs) Tony Womack. Well, we're just about out of time here. So, uh, Adam, thank you for coming on the show. Always a pleasure. Uh, Be sure to listen next week for our big preview of the Cubs season. So until then, he's Adam. I'm Alex. Have a great night.